Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to see you again. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alex Drobnak. I'm the Children's Minister at St Martin's and here at St Peter's. And uh, if I haven't met you before, I hope I can catch up with you uh, very shortly. Now, things aren't always as they appear. When I looked at this term's preaching roster and saw that I was preaching on today's passage, I initially thought, oh, four verses. Doesn't really give me much to work with, does it? But then I read the four verses. And then I thought, oh, how am I going to fit this into one sermon? Because there's some seriously big issues raised by Paul in, in these verses. Just look at the first sentence. Verse 27 starts with, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. How do we live a life that's worthy of the gospel? Is that even possible? To even begin to get a handle on what Paul is saying here, I guess we need to be reminded of what the gospel actually is. Because as I've prepared this message and I've reflected on these verses, God has been reminding me of something. And that's that I have a black black heart and I'm a filthy sinner far too often I put my own needs and desires before those of others I speak words that hurt my actions upset others and cause sadness I have thoughts that I'm ashamed of now thankfully I'm the only person in this room that has these issues right yet in case you're wondering you're filthy sinners too. Not really something you want to dwell on, is it? But the reality is that our hearts have been like this since birth. Now, because of our inherent sin, we are born with a sinful nature. From our infancy, we have had a desire to choose selfishness and our own interests over the interests of others. We also have a desire to do it our way, not God's way, even though we were created in his image. We have been in rebellion against God from birth. And the Bible reminds us of this in Psalm 51 verse 5, where it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Hoping. There we go. Now I know it's hard to think of newborns in this way. When Mitch, our first child, was born, my wife Alison and I just marvelled at how sweet and innocent he looked, perfect in our eyes. Well, surprise, surprise, one morning at 4am, he'd left a special gift in his nappy for us. But, you know, he didn't think to himself, oh boy, mum and dad must be pretty tired because it's the middle of the night and they've been working really hard to care for me today. Now, even though I'm pretty uncomfortable, I'll just lie here quietly and patiently till the morning and they'll eventually see that I need my nappy changed. No, he made it very clear that he wanted his nappy changed and he wanted it changed now. Even though we don't like to admit it, we've entered the world of sinners and we'll leave this world of sinners and we'll face the eternal consequences of that sin unless we are miraculously rescued beforehand. And that's why we need the gospel, the message that declares the good news of Jesus. Though we've lived a life in, a re in rebellion to God, 
He loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to live amongst us on earth. And though he was completely without sin, he then chose to die a horrible death, nailed to a wooden cross, to pay the price for our rebellion towards him. Jesus loves us so much that he would rather die for us than live without us. And without this amazing act of sacrifice, we are helpless, hopeless, and deservingly destined to a fiery eternity too horrific to imagine. But because of this wonderful act of love, we are given the opportunity to be reunited with our loving Heavenly Father, our Creator, and to dwell with Him in glory for eternity. And we have the opportunity to declare that our hearts are black, that we are powerless to change that, and to ask for his forgiveness towards our rebellion, and to confess that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, that from now on we're allowing God to guide us in his ways, no longer our way. That's the gospel, and it's the most incredible free gift available, and it's offered to every single person although totally undeserving of this gift. It's the ultimate act of grace and mercy. So how do we live lives worthy of that? Well, Paul firstly makes us aware that we are involved in a battle and that we better stand firm as a united front against the enemy and do so courageously. Now, verse 27 and 28 reads, Then... Whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, contending, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now, you may not think that the calm, quiet, leafy North Shore is a battleground, but that would be naive. Because in case you haven't noticed... We're in the minority here. Christians have always been in the minority because our worldview is countercultural. Today, we're living, sorry, we're sharing real estate with the church of materialism and entitlement, where its members pat each other on the back because of what they own and how well they've done in life. It's a life of total self-focus. We live in an area where the mindset is, I have everything I need, I am in control, I don't really need God. Now you would think with the onset of COVID that there may have been a realisation of, oh hang on, maybe I'm not in control. After all, the virus has impacted every aspect of my world, my lifestyle, my security, maybe even my high paying job. Maybe I do need God after all. Well, wouldn't it be great if this realisation amongst the lost was one of the few positive consequences of COVID-19? Well, unfortunately, I haven't been seeing droves of people from our community streaming through the doors of St Peter's or St Martin's in the last 12 months, desperately seeking God's biblical truths, which is very sad, but not totally unexpected. And I believe there's two main reasons for this. Black hearts and ignorance. Everyone is born with inherent sin. 
before anyone can start on that journey from eternal darkness to salvation, we have to acknowledge and accept that we are wretched sinners and can't do anything to change that ourselves. But our human nature won't allow that. It's a big roadblock. Our pride and love of our sinful lifestyles is too much of a roadblock for us. Tell me the last time you may have challenged someone about their lifestyle and they said to you, oh, thanks for pointing that out to me. I can now see that my entire life has been in rebellion to God. I'm so thankful you've revealed this to me. Well, hallelujah if it's happened, because if it did, it's only through the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. But sadly, most of the time, people just get defensive, try to justify their lifestyles, and tell you that generally, they're a pretty good person. And that's where ignorance comes into it. I went to a funeral last week. Now, I didn't know this man very well. He was a good friend of Alison's parents, so I mainly went to support Alison and her mum. From the anecdotes that were shared at the funeral, I learned that this man loved his family, enjoyed a social occasion, had a great sense of humour, and was generally considered a really nice guy. Now, he'd had some serious health issues at later years, and after the funeral, I heard people saying, well... He's in a better place now. But from all I'd heard about him at the funeral, there was little or no reference to church or to his faith. Now, I don't know if in his last days he made a commitment to accept Jesus, and at that moment I did pray that Jesus would have mercy on his soul. But from the evidence before me, it looked to me like he lived life his way, not God's way. Rather than going to a better place, it appeared that he was now in a horrible place, which is heartbreaking. But in our North Shore world, where God's word is considered either untrue or irrelevant, there is an ignorance of what the gospel message is. And we can no longer assume that there's even a basic understanding of the gospel within our community. And don't assume that it's solely an issue for non-churchgoers. Now, for several years, I've been teaching scripture at Kalara High. And each year, the two most commonly asked questions are, what happens when we die? And how do we get to heaven? So I ask them, well, what do you think? And they offer me a list of good things they should do, like praying, going to church, be kind. But they don't demonstrate any understanding of repentance or being saved purely by the grace of God and many of these teenagers are from solid church families now I was thinking is this the same for the adults in our churches are we actually receiving and understanding the gospel message in our churches and if we are what are we doing about it now Paul understood the gospel message the spreading of the gospel was Paul's purpose in life he travelled the world and preached the gospel message of the saving grace of Jesus. He faced constant opposition and suffered greatly. Oh, and guess what? He tells us that Jesus wants us to share in that same suffering. Verse 29 and 30 says, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. 
Now, I know sharing the gospel message of the North Shore is not easy, but let's put it into perspective. Paul is writing this letter to the fellow believers in Philippi, where he had established a church on an earlier visit. Now, Philippi was a tough place to be a Christian. It was a Roman stronghold, a place described as even more Roman than Rome, Rome itself, a place where the Roman emperor was considered as a god. It was a city of great wealth, where its citizens were held in high esteem, where society was very happy with the status quo and strongly opposed to anyone who threatened this comfortable lifestyle. Sounds a bit like the North Shore, really, doesn't it? Now, Paul can't be with the Philippians at this time because he's in jail again. Now, you could say that when Paul entered the city, he didn't bother checking out the hotels. He just checked out the jails instead because he knew that's where he was going to end up. Yet Paul had just said in verse 30 that he knows that these Philippians, Philippian believers, are facing the same opposition that he knows, and that, uh, same, facing the same opposition, struggles and suffering that he has had to endure. Wow, those Philippians must have really been suffering for Paul to say this. Let's just have a little glimpse of what Paul went through. And he gives us an idea in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. You better hold on to your hats. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Nothing too bad, really, was it? Can you imagine how hard life must have been for the Philippians if their suffering was even just a slight fraction of what Paul had endured? Kind of makes us look a bit soft. No wonder Paul exhorts the Philippians in verse 27 and 28 to stand firm in the one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Friends, we live in a world where materialism and self-focus is God. And we also live in a world where the definition of God's love has been so warped and twisted that it's been turned into a celebration of tolerance, acceptance and diversity. Oh, except for tolerance of the Christian viewpoint, that is. Then there's total intolerance and Christians are cast aside as bigots and haters. But when the world celebrates acceptance and diversity, what they're really celebrating is how happy they are to accept all the different ways these diverse, sinful lifestyles where sin can be expressed. The world does not like the gospel message because the gospel exposes their sin. There's no wonder there's so much opposition to the Christian message. Now, just like the Philippians, we are called to stand firmly for the gospel. It's not easy. We don't want to be hated. We want everyone to like us, don't we? But Jesus knew we would be hated. 
if he stood firmly for his word and were not swayed by the world's transient views and self-centeredness, he says so to his disciples in John 15. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You know, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. We're different. We don't belong to this world because we've been chosen, chosen only because of the love, grace and mercy of Jesus. Chosen purely by grace to spend eternity with our Saviour. We are totally incapable of saving ourselves. Any good that we have inside us has been placed there through him. Only in heaven will we, will we be finally free of sin. We're sure not perfect, but through his mercy, we're a work in progress. Let me offer one final encouragement. We all know people. We all know people who have not yet been saved from a horrible eternity. But, Christian, but as Christians, we find it easier to love them, to shine the example of Jesus through our actions, words and prayers. And it's that concept of preaching Jesus by living Jesus. Now that's great, and I encourage you to do so. But eventually, they actually need to hear the gospel. And I've been wondering if that man from the funeral last week, had he ever heard about the saving grace of Jesus? Now if you're a Christian, I don't know when the gospel message saved you, but imagine if that person had never got around to telling you or was fearful of a negative reaction from you. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Over the years, I've learned that I don't need to pray for opportunities. There are opportunities to share the gospel every single day. We just need to trust Jesus to work through us so that the miracle of salvation can happen. Remember, we're not on a cruise ship, we're on a rescue boat and there's people drowning around us every day. So let's stand firm in God's word and not concern ourselves with any opposition we may face, trusting Jesus in all things and then through him and only through him, he will help us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the good news of Jesus, the saving grace of the gospel. We are completely hopeless and helpless without this amazing gift. Through your mercy and grace, we were chosen not to be part of this world, but part of your family in your kingdom. Help us to stand firm in a world that is in rebellion to you, not being frightened by any opposition we may face, but rather to be bold and courageous as we seek opportunities to share your gospel with others. With your word as our solid foundation, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would guide us so that we may live lives that are worthy of the gospel. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.